spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Here's the deal. I'm, I'm sitting on a lot of tape from the time that I was on CNN, but not on POTUS, that couple of day time period during the break. And it's all worthy. There's so many things that I, I want to tell the POTUS audience that I never got a chance to say during the course of the break. Um, but there's really just one cut that I think I will, one guest that I think I will play because it created it created an enormous social media reaction and it's a very provocative thought and the guest is great. And I am a big fan of his. I'm talking about Scott Galloway. Scott Galloway is a professor. He's a, a business professor. He's at the NYU Stern school of business. He is also a podcaster with a big following. He's also a best-selling author, uh, Post-Corona, the most recent book that he wrote. In fact, Dan, I want to make sure that that is one of our book club offerings, Post-Corona by sure. Scott Galloway. Scott Galloway is my age. In fact, he, well, we're separated by just two or three years. But he has an enormous following among uh, people my son's age. I don't know if our daughter, who's a few years older, listens, but my sons are all knowledgeable about Scott Galloway. 20-something men and women are totally taken with Scott Galloway, kind of in a way like Stephen Levitt spoke to me when he first wrote Freakonomics. He's very bright. He's very data-driven. And he's just very knowledgeable about so many different things. So when I was guest hosting on, on CNN, Scott's in that category of... I'd like you to come on the program. I don't care what the news hook is. We'll find something. Just make yourself available. And for the first three weeks that I was filling in that 9 p.m. time period, we never made it work. I think he was overseas. I'm not sure. And then you remember, TC, we were last together here the day before Christmas Eve. So it would have been the 23rd, which Thursday. was a Thursday. Thursday okay. the 23rd, yes. And I was on television that night because I was still doing both yes. both gigs. That's right. Okay, then I shut down for the Christmas uh, weekend, weekend. And then I had two more CNN nights. I was on Monday night and Tuesday night. That's right. Okay. So Scott Galloway was my guest on Monday night. 
And there was kind of a throwaway line. It was not on point with what we were then discussing, but he said something and I didn't respond to it. And then after he said it, and when I looked at social media, everybody's like, wow, that observation he just made was really significant. And there was so much agreement of people weighing in on what he had just said that I did something very unusual, which was immediately when the program ended, I said, can you come back tomorrow night and tell me what the hell you were talking about? And he readily agreed. So he was my guest two nights in a row. First, what I want to play for you, it's very brief, is the soundbite offered by Professor Galloway, again, a professor of marketing at NYU's business school. Listen to this. Over the next five years, you're only going to see half as many men graduate from college. And that has real societal implications because the most dangerous person in the world is a broke, young and alone young man. And we are producing way too many of them. The most dangerous person in the world is a broke, young and alone man. And we are producing way too many of them. By the way, Scott told me that in terms of the response that he monitored, and I don't just mean that night, like this took on a life of its own, that what he most heard from were moms. Moms who said, you've just described my son, and I'm really worried about my son. So that's what he said the first night. The second night, I bring him back and I say, thank you so much for coming back. What were you talking about? Because I should have asked a follow-up or two, and I didn't. Well, if you think about the state of play right now, men are uh, twice as likely to overdose, three times as likely to be arrested, and four times as likely uh, to kill themselves. Can you stop that, TC? Just uh, just stop that. There's so much data that he's about to rattle off. It, it it's It's worthy of parsing. So he's talking about men in comparison to women, young men. Twice as likely to overdose, three times as likely to be arrested. Maybe that's always been the case. I don't know. Four times as likely to kill themselves. Continue. Uh, To kill themselves. In addition, when you walk down the avenue that is America over the next five years, there's going to be twice as many female graduates of college than male graduates. Now, stop that for a second. Think about this. There's going to be twice as many female graduates of college as there are male. You know, I, I saw this trend. I saw this trend coming. And I, I think like years ago, you and I may have talked about it here where I came in and I said, uh, I just went to one or the other of our kids graduations. Do you have any recollection of me telling you about how I noticed in the awarding of prizes, the academic prizes, the girls were just kicking the butt of the boys. And it was female after female after female who was collecting all the prizes. Does that bear any recollection? No, no, but how fabulous. Right. Except, except what Scott's about to say, because TC, you may be speaking for many who say, well, wherein lies the problem? The problem lies in, and he'll get to this. If there's such an imbalance, it's going to shift the, not only the work, power dynamic again not necessarily a bad thing but it's also going to shift relationship dynamics because where do relationships come from they come from academic settings and work settings 
And so if all of a sudden now there's going to be this societal shift in where are the men and where are the women, it's going to have implication. Here's more. And a scary stat uh, is that if you look at the number of young men, 18 to 24, that haven't had sex in the last year, and you hear the term sex, and your mind goes all these different places, think of it as a key step to establishing the elemental foundation of any society, and that is a relationship and a family. Uh, in 2008, it was 10% had not had sex in the last year. Now it's 30%. Can we so stop talking- that? I mean, this is an issue. I'm not making some machismo guy kind of point here, but I think it's a real problem. 30% of men 18 to 24. I mean, if you're not having it then, when are you having it? A third of them are not having sex. Uh, Gene Twangy wrote about this subject in iGen, the book that I loved and impacted me and I promote every opportunity that I can find. But that's one of the things that, that she noted, that, that our kids are not dating. They're not leaving the house. They're, they're, they're cooped up and creating some artificial presentation of what their life is all about so as to satisfy their social media followers. Instead of having sex, you know, they're, 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 they're creating some image uh, of what a life would be like if they were having sex. I'm not saying it clearly, but hopefully you know what I'm what I'm talking about. Here's more from Scott Galloway. So you're talking about a group of men that are not attaching to work, not attaching to school, and not attaching to relationships. And the most violent, unstable societies in the world have one thing in common. They have too many young, broken, alone males. Okay, so now I say, now this is me, this is not Scott. By the way, is this interesting? You find this interesting? I find this very interesting. I'm curious. Mother, mother of a daughter, well, that's but nevertheless. I was say. I'm curious about the stats for women. Um, you know, are men not having sex with men? Are men not having sex with women? What are those stats? And what does that say as well? How about, how about his last observation? You're talking about a group of men that are not attaching to work, not attaching to school, not attaching to relationships. And the most violent, unstable societies in the world have one thing in common. And I'm now thinking, as as he's saying it, because now he's got my full attention, I'm thinking of the 19 on September 11. And I'm not saying that the United States is about to turn out terrorists and, and fly airplanes into the Twin Towers. And so that's not where I'm coming from. But I am noting the parallels. I've always believed that sexual repression is a huge problem and motivator of of the Arab Islamic fanatist. Uh, I think that that has driven some of those guys bat blank. And Scott Galloway is saying, hey, you know, ours might not fly planes into buildings, but we got to worry about where that aggression gets directed. The most violent, unstable societies in the world have one thing in common. They have too many young, broken, alone males. So I now say to him, because I remembered from his book, uh, Post-Corona, there's more to it, but that's the, the lead title of the book. And I remember that Professor Galloway made the argument that the pandemic doesn't necessarily change the direction of where we were going on many fronts. But what it does do is accelerate. It's an accelerant of changes that were already underway. For example, 
there's now this whole drive toward remote learning. And I don't mean today that some kids aren't in school because there's been a spike of Omicron. I mean, uh, obviously, in the pandemic, more and more now are are like my own. Uh, in a university or graduate school environment, instead of being in a classroom, they're they're at home doing their work. Scott Galloway makes the argument that that trend was already underway. More and more University of Phoenix type models among us. So with regard to the trouble with young men, which is my focus right now, the trouble with young men, I ask Scott, is this because of the pandemic, or is it being accelerated by the pandemic? Yeah, it's absolutely an accelerant, and that will be COVID-19's key feature. There really isn't anything here that hasn't already happened. I think most of it can be reverse engineered to not only income inequality, but inequality among age groups. And 40 years ago, people under the age of 30 controlled 19% of the economy or had wealth equivalent to 19% of GDP. That's been cut in half to 9%. Can we stop that? About- can we stop it? Because he's just like a fountain of information it's important that this this not get lost 40 years ago people under the age of 30 controlled 19 percent let's call it a fifth of our economy or had wealth equivalent to 19 percent of gdp that has been cut in half to nine percent all of our tax policies they're really just a sleight of hand to transfer wealth from young people to poor people, whether it's mortgage interest deduction or capital gains or the greatest transfer in history, and that is from young people to older people in the form of Social Security. And the net of this, combined with not as many men graduating from college, is that men, quite frankly, are just less attractive to women who tend to mate socioeconomically, horizontally and up, whereas men mate horizontally and down. Can we you stop might think- that? Can we stop that? That I mean, that's a reversal. That that is a total reversal, right? It used to be. It used to be that the the mating was horizontal. How do I say this? It was it was upward for women, downward for men. Conventional scenario was a a, a man who, and I, I'm painting with a broad brush here, but so be it. I don't mean to speak for everybody because obviously not everybody went to college, but because. Guys were going to college in far greater numbers than were women. Men were marrying down. I don't say that as a pejorative. I just say it as a factual matter, educationally, right? Educationally. It was not uncommon for uh, for a man to have a degree and his wife not to have a degree. And then all of a sudden, women began being educated, got into the workplace, and there was now parity as between the two. What Scott is saying is that that's about to shift now, where it's it's going to get totally lopsided the way it had been in the past, but in the other direction. It will be the woman with the degree and the man without the degree. And down, you might think, well, it's no one's obligation to service men or to mate with them. But the issue is when you have a group of men, the lower half of attractiveness of men and online dating, which has doubled now, it's about half of relationships and the top 20 percent of men in terms of attractiveness get about 60 percent of the interest. OK, you end up with stop a- it again. Stop it again. Like I, I can't. It, it's so much to process, which is why I wanted to break down and zapruder the tape on this. The first new show of the year. What did he just say there? You might think, says Scott Galloway, it's no one's obligation to service men or to meet with them. 
But the issue is when you have a group of men, the lower half of attractiveness of men and online dating, which has doubled now is about half of relationships and the top 20 percent of men in terms of attractiveness get about 60 percent of the interest. Here's what I'm hearing in this. Men are not going to have access to women going forward in the way that they did because they're not going to be. First of all, the workplace isn't what it used to be. Second of all, the college campus is now going to be dominated by women. Do you remember the book that I talked about years ago? I want to say like five, Marry Smart, it was called. Marry Smart. And it was about the Princeton mom who said to young men and young women, hey, take advantage of what the admissions office has done for you. Everybody on your campus has just been through an incredible screening process. You are very like-minded with similar aspirations. Maybe your spouse, you know, is, is, is in your, your lecture hall. Anyway, sorry, that was a non sequitur that just popped into my head. Actually not, because the point is more women are going to be in college environments now than are the men. So where are the men, TC, the less attractive men, going to find companionship. This is kind of like my old Quasimodo discussion in the past, which always makes you cringe, makes you cringe right now, I see. But um, if you're not in the workplace meeting your partner, if you're not on campus meeting your partner, where are you going? You're going online. And what did he say? The top 20% of men in terms of attractiveness get about 60% of the, the interest online. You end up with a group of men that are more prone to conspiracy theory, more prone to misogynistic content, more prone to believe not believe in climate change. So these this is the American story. If it's written with a pen whose ink is failing young men, does does not end well. This is an existential crisis, failing young men. Do you agree with Scott Galloway? Are we facing an existential crisis? Are we failing young men? The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.